0: I uh, I got Felicia to run back and get me um, a little sample of what we're going to be giving to the kids on Christmas Eve, and it's all full of all kinds of goodies. So uh, bring the kids, and um, and what we'll do is we're going to start with the little ones first, and then work our way up. So if you're like 22, 23, there's a good chance you could get one of these. <laughs> uh, before we have the message, I want to show a quick video clip, and this video clip is an introduction to a special campaign that's going to begin on February the 1st. It's 40 Days of Community, and it's uh, an introduction to uh, small groups and being in a small group. And if you're not in a small group yet, uh, this is an opportunity to try it out, to have a taste of of, uh, what what it's like to be in fellowship with other believers. But we hope that we'll have a lot of people sign up. You'll notice the banner in the foyer and also the kiosk that's set up. It's got information for you. So if you want to know more about it, it's it's there. And um, my mom's going to be there, so she'll be able to answer your questions. But uh, do take a look. And uh, go ahead, Scotty, let's show that video clip right now. I do hope that we'll have a lot of people sign up for that and take part in it. We, uh, we have just a few shopping days left till Christmas. How many know that? How many have done their Christmas shopping? How many have begun their Christmas shopping? (laughs) Anybody completed it? You're amazing. Then you need to take over the church. (laughs) That's absolutely wonderful. Christmas is such a difficult time, uh, extremely difficult time. Did you ever think about what it was like for poor Mary and Joseph on the night that Jesus was born, and even the days leading up to that? I don't think there's anybody here who is facing or has to face what poor Mary and Joseph had to face. Uh, there they are, forced to leave their home in Nazareth and travel down to Bethlehem. And if you've ever, if you know anything about, is Israel's geography, you know that it's a trip from the north to the south. And, um, I mean, personally, I wouldn't mind that right now, a trip from the north to the south, but this is, uh, this was not to go there for warmth, folks. This is because the uh, Caesar had decreed it. And, um, they were, they were going there, uh, because they needed to be counted in the census. Now, the thing is this, is that uh, they're poor, didn't have a, a lot of money, and, uh, they didn't have, the comforts that you and I are used to, they don't they didn't have a vehicle, they had to walk. A long walk, and as you know, she she was expecting. And when she got to Bethlehem, as you know, everybody knows the story. As you know, when she got there, there was no place for them. Uh Joseph being a typical man forgot to book. And uh, they ended up in a in a stable in a barn, actually. Yeah, barn. And there's Mary about to have a baby. Talk about stress, my friends. You think you've got stress. And there they were. And there was, there was the baby born in a manger. Now, someone, uh, someone very playfully thought through what would happen if the wise men were actually three wise women. What would have been like? And so here's, here's what they came up with. If it had been three wise women instead of three wise men, that they would have asked for directions. If it had been three wise women, they would have arrived on time. <laughs> uh, they would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and uh, brought along some practical gifts. I mean, what is a brand-new mother going to do with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? And uh, these people, whoever came up with this, further surmised that when they... When the three wise women would have left, they would have had a conversation that would go like this. Did you see the sandals Mary was wearing with that gown? <laughs> and, and, and can you believe that they let all those disgusting animals in the house? <laughs> and I heard that Joseph isn't even working right now. And that donkey that they're riding has seen better days too, hasn't it? Yes, yes. And want to bet on how long it will take until you get your casserole dish back. <laughs> and that baby doesn't look anything like Joseph. Now, I'm telling you, that's pretty stressful, isn't it? That's okay. What's what's Christmas season been like for you lately? Have you been rejoicing or have you been frustrated? Have you been annoyed? Have you been aggravated? Well, I want you to know this this morning, that if you are a Christian today, then then you need to understand or need to know that rejoicing needs to be a part of your Christmas experience. If you're not rejoicing these days, and you're not celebrating Christ, you're celebrating something else. You're not celebrating the, the birth of Jesus. You're celebrating probably Santa, commercialism. You're celebrating all the things that Jesus is not. With the Christmas story is celebration. And we find it, first of all, with Mary... What's her response to the news that she's going she's gonna to carry the Son of God? It's rejoicing. Great rejoicing. Look at that verse. Let's look at it together. Can we read that? And Mary said, let's read it together. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, understand something, folks. Listen. If anybody had a reason not to rejoice, not to be glad, not to celebrate, it was Mary. She's been nothing but, but inconvenienced from day one. The trip from Nazareth down to where? To Bethlehem. The birth in the stable, no less. And then she finds out that Herod wants to kill her baby and has to take now an inconvenient trip down to Egypt. I mean, the whole thing is 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 a colossal uh, aggravation. And even before she even takes the trip from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, folks, listen to this: she's uh, she's got to tell her parents that she's going to have a baby and it's from God. Yeah. And uh, and what are the friends going to say? My friends, if anybody has a reason not to rejoice, it's Mary. But listen, listen, look what it says. This is her response. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This, my friend, is the mark of every believer. The mark of everyone who has accepted Jesus into his or her heart is that he or she is a rejoicer. You're a celebrator. Not because everything goes your way, but because you know Jesus. Jesus. Because of Jesus. And again, look at the Christmas story. You know all the people involved in it, don't you? I mean, when you were a kid, you played in the pageant. You were maybe a—you were one of the shepherds, or you are one of the wise men, or maybe you are Joseph or Mary. I don't know. But everyone is rejoicing. The angels come along, and what are they doing? They are rejoicing. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. The shepherds. They go to see the baby Jesus, and they return doing what? Rejoicing and glorifying God. Zechariah, Mary's cousin, and Elizabeth, they rejoice and they're glad. The wise men, even the wise men, are rejoicing and are glad. And this is something I, I hadn't noticed before. I mean, you read it and it doesn't really stick out to you. But even, listen to this, even the baby... In Elizabeth's womb, leaped for joy. That's what the Bible says. Now listen, do you know what the word rejoice, the root of the word rejoice, you know where it comes from? It comes from leap for joy. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. You know Christ, if you know Jesus, and Jesus has transformed your life, then you should be one of these people that leaps for joy. And if you're not leaping for joy, If you're not happy, then you are celebrating something other than Christ's birth. Now, let me just help you this morning to be a good rejoicer. Let me help you this morning be, be a good celebrator. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I remember growing up going to church. There was a lot of people at church that they looked like they were baptized in vinegar. They didn't smile too much. They weren't too joyful. And the boy, if you whisper, they turn around to break their neck to just to give you a dirty look. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And do those kids don't talk in church? Don't you know, this is the house of God. Get your feet off them and put that hymn book back. And don't you? You know what I'm talking about? Where's the celebration? Where's the rejoicing? Where's the smiles? Where's the gladness? Come on! I'm going to tell you something this morning. The worst thing that you can do as a Christian is go around telling people you're a Christian and then let nothing but angry, bitter words come out of your mouth. Keep your mouth shut. Because if you can't say something nice... Oh, you know Bambi, do you? (laughs) That didn't come out of the Bible. That came out of Bambi movie. But boy, is that ever good preaching? The mark of a believer is that you are a rejoicer, someone who celebrates, somebody who's glad, somebody who talks about the good things of God. Now, let me help you. How can, we, how can we be a good celebrator? First of all, you need to remember Jesus. And that's what we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 44. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, this is Elizabeth talking to Mary, she said, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now, listen. This is what happens when you get into the presence of Jesus. You experience and know great joy in your heart. And, you know, there's so many people that come to church on Sunday, they don't experience anything of the presence of Jesus because they don't open their hearts to Jesus. They forget Jesus. I want to remind you, my friends, that this is really what Christmas is all about. It's all about, listen, remembering Jesus. Gloria went to Walmart last night. She came home from work at about quarter to eight, seven thirty, quarter to eight, and she said, "Alan, I just have to run out and get a few things from Walmart, and I'll be home shortly." She, (laughs) I'll be home shortly, right? (laughs) So it's quarter to eleven. I'm phoning. I'm Gloria. I thought you were coming home right away. Do you know I got to get up like at six o'clock in the morning to get to church? I I got to get to sleep and I can't go to sleep if you're not here beside me. And uh she said, well, as soon I'm 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 going into line now. And so she got into line. She, you know she wasn't home till almost uh, 20 to 12. I said, "What on earth were you doing at Walmart?" She said, "Well, uh, 20 minutes in line in the in the in the um in the, what do you call it? The technology section. What do you call it? The electronics. That's the electronics section. 20 minutes in there. And then she says, when I got to the, to the main checkout, there's another 45 minutes there. What, what, what holiday are we celebrating here anyways? This is just a big pain in the neck. My friends, I, I got to remind you this morning that Christmas is about Jesus. It's all about remembering Christ. And the problem with us, folks, is that we do everything, and we can, uh, everything in our power to forget Christ, don't we? I mean, we used to. I remember when I was in school, we had a Christmas pageant every year. How many remember those days, the Christmas pageant? And how many remember that in those days, I'm speaking as an old man now, back in the olden days, <laughs> we would go to school with no shoes on, even in the winter, <laughs> But there we were, <laughs> there we were, and we were celebrating the birth of Christ in the public school. Now we can't do that now. At our school, at the one that our kids go to, they celebrated uh, some Hindu god, I'm not kidding you, they celebrated uh, um, uh, the Aboriginal drum dances and that sort of thing. I've got nothing against these people. What I've got a problem with is that this is a Christmas celebration. And Christmas my friends is all about Christ. And so what we've done now is we have eliminated Christ from Christmas. We've forgotten Christ and now we wonder why we're all so unhappy. I would say this, put Christ back in Christmas, remember Christ and you'll get your joy back. Put Christ back in Christmas and you'll be rejoicing once again. We uh we've 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 substituted Jesus for Santa Claus. And those of you who don't know, uh, is there any kids here? Any little children? Plug their ears and their eyes, okay, for just a moment. This was sent to me by Rhonda this past week. And a friend of hers sent it to her, and she shared it with me. I was so glad, because he, this I cannot put it more more succinctly than this. Christmas is about Jesus. Listen to this. Santa lives at the North Pole, but Jesus is everywhere. We're making a comparison here, folks, and it's more than just a clever comparison. Santa rides in a sleigh, but Jesus rides in the wind and walks on the water. Santa comes but once a year, but Jesus is an ever-present help in our time of need. Santa comes down your chimney uninvited, but Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks and enters when you let him in. You have to stand in line to see Santa, but Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. Santa lets you sit on his lap, but Jesus lets you rest in his arms Santa does not know your name and all he can say is hi little boy or girl. What's your name? But Jesus Knows your name And knew your name before you even had a name Jesus not only knows your name, but he knows your address too and he knows your history and He knows your future and he knows how many hairs are on your head Santa has a belly like a bowl full of jelly. My kids say they know who Santa is. and I'm just trying to live up to it honest. Jesus has a heart full of love. All Santa can offer is ho, 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 but Jesus offers health, help, and hope to those who have lost hope. Santa says, you better not cry, but Jesus says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. Santa's little helpers make toys, but Jesus makes a brand new life out of your old life, your old mess. Some would say hallelujah. Jesus mends your wounded heart. He repairs your broken home and builds a mansion for you in heaven if you put your faith in him. Santa may make you chuckle. But Jesus gives you joy and strength and peace that passes all understanding. Well, Santa puts gifts under your tree. And I love this. Jesus became our gift and died on the tree. It's obvious there's really no comparison. We need to remember who Christmas is all about. We need to put Christ back in Christmas. Because Jesus is still the reason for the season. My friends, if you have lost your joy and you're not smiling these days, then I would invite you to remember Jesus. This is what the early church did. They wanted a way to help people remember Christ because, well, first of all, there was no Bible for people to read back then. It was just reserved for the priests and the scholars. Nobody had a Bible. This is a relatively new development over the just last few hundred years. People died making the Bible available for you and me. So what they did is they said, put up a picture, draw a picture, put a picture up of Jesus. And they imagined what he looked like, and they hung that on the wall so they would never forget Christ. My friends, we are desperate, our society, our culture is desperate for joy and happiness. And I hear people say all the time, I love Christmas, I love Christmas. People don't know Jesus, I love Christmas. Why? It's because we try to create this atmosphere of joy, of happiness, of peace. And that's why when you go to Banff today, you can go to the Christmas store 365 days of the year. When they first came out with that, I thought, man, that's never going to fly. Who on earth is going to go to a Christmas store in July? I invite you to go to the Christmas store in Banff in July. It's full of people buying Christmas trinkets, For Christmas time. Why? Because people are hungry. For peace. They're hungry for joy. They're hungry for only what Jesus can give them. So my friends. If you've lost your joy. Tip your hat to Santa or whatever. But remember that Jesus. Is the real reason for the season. You want your joy? Remember Christ. Remember him every day. Remember him constantly. Don't forget him. And when you're at a superstore shopping for your groceries and someone rams you from behind with a with a with a shopping cart. It always happens to me. Gloria always says, Why does it always happen to you? <laughs> it must be a big bull bull. what do you call that? A, a bullseye on my back. I think the Lord wants to test me, you know. Listen, don't turn around and swear at them and don't be like that car i told you about that had a bumper sticker honk if you love jesus i honked and they turned and gave me the fingers (laughs) don't be like that remember to whom you belong you belong to jesus let jesus be number one in your life and don't forget him don't forget him wherever you go remember as a christian you are an ambassador of christ And if you don't know Christ, and if you you haven't accepted Christ into your life, remember this: it's time. If you want joy in your life, it's time to start thinking about Christ. The second thing you need to do if you want to rejoice and be glad at Christmas time is you have to tell others about Jesus. Don't keep it to yourself. I love, I love the way God works. He says, now, how can I get the message out about the birth of my son? I know. I'll go to the lowest lowest of the low people in society. I'll go to the shepherds, and I'll give them the good news and let them spread it. That's what it says here in the Bible, Luke 2, 17, 18, and 20. Look at what it says. When they had seen Jesus, look at that. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed and what the shepherds said to them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. I want you to notice something today, my friends. God God doesn't want you to be greedy with this good news. You're rejoicing. You're glad because you're a Christian. Don't be greedy. Tell others about it. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Invite them to church. Invite your friends to come to, to church on Christmas Eve so their kids can get one of these funny, scary-looking little things. <laughs> bring them spread the good news and that will put a smile on your face. That'll give you joy. Unlike anything you've ever experienced, because my Bible tells me the joy is contagious and you and I are instruments. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. And our job is to bring that good news to other people. I was reading a, a very, very interesting uh, article. It's from the Harvard uh, Medical Journal, and was written by James Fowler and Nicholas Kristakis. They wrote this article about happiness, and this is what this is what they come up with. It says new research shows that happiness isn't just as, just an individual phenomenon. We can catch happiness from friends and family members. Like, listen to this. They're calling it like an emotional virus. I mean, I've had my fill of viruses this year. It's unbelievable. Anything that's going by, I get it. We're talking about an emotional virus, an an emotional virus of joy. And this is what they go on to say. They say, when just one person in a group becomes happy, researchers were able to measure a three-degree spread of that person's cheer. In other words, your mood will brighten somebody else's mood. Your joy... This is this is what the, these this, this uh, uh, sociologists and this psychiatrists have discovered. Your joy will affect and infect others. This is God's plan, and so here are these shepherds who become these these uh, joyful virus carriers, if you will, sent out by God to spread the good news. And the Bible says that all who heard it were amazed. All who heard it marveled. All who heard it, their hearts were set on fire. Now listen, if you want to be joyful, then you need to take that good news that you've got and you need to start spreading it to other people. Because when you rejoice, the people around you begin to rejoice. When you share that good news with others, it affects the people around you. Listen to me, people around you need some good news. They need some joy in their lives, and God is depending upon you to bring that good news. That's what brings joy to your heart. You know what I discovered here? They said they did a they did this, this this test, and this is what they discovered: that when someone gets happy, that person's friend experiences a twenty-five percent increased chance of becoming happy, but an only two percent chance of becoming happy if they get a five thousand dollar raise. Isn't that interesting? In fact, your happiness, your joy, your excitement over Jesus will have a greater impact on the lives of the people around you than if they got a $5,000 raise. That's how important your good news about Jesus Christ is to the people around you. Spread the good news. People need to hear it. The third thing I want to share with you, if you want to be joyful and you want to rejoice this Christmas season, is you need to take time to thank God for Jesus. Look what Zechariah who is a priest, who hears about the birth of Jesus. This is to his response. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. My friends, do you have any idea why we celebrate Christmas? Do you know why? It's not. A, there's nothing in the New Testament that says, make sure you celebrate Christmas on December the 25th. doesn't say that. Around A.D. 200, Alexander of Clement wrote that a group of Christians in Egypt were actually celebrating Christmas or the Nativity on May 20th. Now, that would be far more convenient wouldn't it be, than, uh, when it's minus 30 or minus 40 degrees out. May 20th is just about right. There's no set date that says when you have to celebrate it. But we do understand this from the early churches that it was very important. And why is that? They thought it was important to make sure that we took time, listen, to give thanks to God for Jesus. When's the last time you gave God thanks for touching your heart, from saving you, from your sin? The earliest reference to the celebration of the nativity didn't come until 354 A.D. That's when the first Christmas was celebrated. And the early church fathers recognized how important it was to stop and give God thanks. And the celebration that they came up with was called the Christ Mass. It was a special church service celebrated every year. And they chose December 25th for various reasons, which we won't get into. But there it is, the Christ Mass. To celebrate and give thanks for the birth of Christ. A woman was out Christmas shopping with her two children, and after many hours of looking at row upon row upon row of toys and everything else unmanageable, and hearing both her children asking for everything that they saw on those many shelves, this woman, she finally made it out of the store and to the elevator with her two kids. She was feeling what so many of us feel during the holiday season time of this of the year, overwhelming pressure to go to every party, every housewarming, taste all the holiday food and treats, get the perfect gift for every single person on your shopping list, make sure we don't forget anyone on our car list and the pressure of making sure we respond to everyone who sends us a card, not to mention getting the kids everything that they ask for. I asked my kids, make sure that you make a, a Christmas list of the things you want. And on Jesse's list, he said, I want a new car. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> I laughed. It reminded me of uh, something I'd heard. This boy, Danny, recently passed his driving test and decided to ask his clergyman father if there was any chance of him getting a car for Christmas. Clergyman, by the way, is a pastor. His dad was a pastor. And the father said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you can get your C grades up to A's and B's and study your Bible and get your hair cut, I'll consider the matter very seriously. And a couple of months later, Danny went back to his father who said, I'm really impressed by your commitment to your studies. Your grades are excellent, and the work you have put into your Bible studies is very encouraging. However, I have to say I'm very disappointed that you haven't had your hair cut yet. Danny was a smart young man who never lost, never was lost for an answer. He said, look, Dad, in the course of my Bible study, I noticed the, in the illustrations that Moses... And Samson and John the Baptist and even Jesus had long hair. Yes, I'm sure that's the truth and I'm aware of that, replied the father. But did you also notice that they walked wherever they went? (laughs) Yes. 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 And by the way, you'll notice if you see Jesse later that his hair is very short, but he's still not getting a car. This, this poor woman with her kids getting into the elevator is frustrated. She's worn out. She's tired, and she's definitely not rejoicing. Finally, the elevator doors open, and there was already a crowd in the car, the crowded elevator car, that is. And this woman pushed her way into the car and dragged her two kids in with her and all her bags of stuff. And when the doors of the elevator closed, she, she let out a big sigh And decided she couldn't take it anymore. And sang out loud to no one in particular. Whoever started this whole Christmas thing should be arrested and strung up. And from the back of the elevator, a quiet, calm voice responded. Don't worry, ma'am. I believe they crucified him. Now listen to me, my friends. When's the last time you gave God thanks for Jesus? The thing is this, is that you hear it all the time, and and the tendency is because you hear it all the time that you don't hear it. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I know about that, and you tune me out. But I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart right now and remind you of what Jesus has done for you. Where would you be today were it not for Christ? When's the last time you said, thank you, Jesus, for taking away my guilt, my shame, Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sin. Where would you be today were it not for Christ? If you want to be a rejoicer, then you have to be someone who gives God thanks for Jesus. Not once in a while, not just at Thanksgiving or at Christmas, but all year round. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In the olden days, when I went to Calvary Temple as a boy, we used to go to the prayer room to pray, and every every Sunday night after the service in that prayer room, I remember L. Strang in there praying as well. No, but it, maybe one or two. No, L. Strang, but there would be L. Strang kneeling there and weeping in the presence of God and saying, "Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Jesus." And this was every Sunday. And I think I remember thinking as a boy, doesn't he know anything else to pray? My friends, what else is there to pray? But thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Because Al Strang gave his heart to Jesus, Al Strang was delivered of alcohol abuse and substance abuse and smoking. He, he, God took that away. His marriage was restored. His life was turned around. He got a good job. All because Jesus forgave him of his sin. My friends, you want to rejoice? I can give you something to rejoice about. I can tell you that Jesus will turn your life around if you take time to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. I want to show you a a video clip right now. It's a rendition of "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." As you listen to it, I want you to remember this. Listen to this. This song, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," the words were written over 1,300 years ago. The words you're going to hear right now have been sung by Christian people for over 1,300 years. Now, how cool is that? 13 years, 1,300 years of believers from one generation to the next singing these words. And the tune goes back at least 600 years. As you listen to it, I want you to remember that you have a reason to rejoice. Because a God who understands your pain and understands your sorrow and understands what you're going through right now this morning is a God who's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. Scotty, if we could see that. We're going to sing in just a moment, but before we do, I want to pray. And I want to pray that from this moment forward, you'll go forward rejoicing and being glad. And the way you're going to do that is by remembering Jesus constantly. Don't forget him. And remember that Jesus is the reason for this season, not Santa. Remember to give thanks to God for sending His Son, Jesus. As your Lord, as your Savior, as the one who has given you a new life, and you'll find yourself rejoicing, make sure you tell somebody else. Make sure you don't keep it to yourself because your joy will bring joy to the hearts of others. We know it from the scriptures and we know it from the testimony of these researchers and doctors. Folks, you and I can make a difference. Rejoice. Let's stand together. Father, as we stand in your presence right now, we say thank you for Jesus. And even as those magi worshipped you because they... We're given a star to lead them to Jesus. Today, Lord, we, we have found Christ and he's available to all who would call in his name. Father, I pray speak to each heart and bring joy so that there would be great rejoicing amongst your people, great happiness, a great, a great joy that will touch all that we come in contact with. We pray it for Christ's sake.